0: Hawks Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on
1: 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and
1: Paul Moyer. Thursday, 7 o'clock, you know where you're supposed to be, right here with me, Michael Bumpus, and my guy, Paul Moyer, on Hawks Live. The Seahawks got it done last week, 30-23. to They beat the Niners for the second time this year. No matter how good the Niners are, The Hawks are going to play some of their best football against these guys. And the stat that sticks out to me the most, Moyer, time of possession. The first time this year the Hawks won that. 33 minutes they had the ball. The Niners had the ball for 26 minutes. That means third downs are supposed to be good, right? Not really, 5 for 15, but it's okay. We'll take it. That means that the defense got off the field and gave the offense the ball. It means that the Hawks capitalize on opportunities. It just means it's a win. That's all I care about. We can spit all these stats out there, but end of the day, it was a win, and it was led by the guy who gets paid the most money on this team, Russell Wilson, 30 for 37, 231 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Another thing that happened this week that we wanted to see Moyer, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf got their targets. They both had eight targets. Lockett had seven receptions for 68 and a touchdown. DK had five for 60, no touchdowns but it seemed like the things that we needed to see offensively, defensively and special team wise, we saw this weekend.
0: You know, it was just fun. It's just acknowledge that. Uh, that was a really loud crowd. It, it felt like a college atmosphere rival game. You know, a Washington State Washington Washington Oregon game. Those teams do not like each other. It was intense. There were some so many big plays. I mean, that first quarter, the amount of um Ray Roberts hates us, momentum switches um, with turnovers back to back and big plays. It was just it was an exciting football game. At one point, you know, I'm, I'm doing the broadcast with Rabel because was Dave was a little under the weather and, and uh, he sorely missed. Hard to replace Dave there. But we we were in there talking and Steve said something to me. I said, I don't know what to tell you. I, I mean, it was, it was so bad to football offensively. And and it even defensively at, at times, but then there was something that happened in the middle of the second quarter, and I don't know if you saw it or not. But uh, Russell grabbed the whole offense, got them all together on the sidelines. Shane yeah. Waldron was in the huddle too, and they he was. I mean, he was fired up, and I am sure it was positive. But I mean, everybody got into it and bought into it. Man, there was something about after that meeting that all of a sudden the offense just got physical. The defense got physical. It was, it was completely different. And I thought for a long time, we've missed just being a physical football team, running the football downhill. Doesn't always have to go for 10, 15 yards. And that was the other thing. You know, we, we talked about they're going to make plays, San Francisco. Be patient, stay with it because the way they shoot the gaps and they're in sprinter stance with their off defensive linemen. Um, so I, I thought it was, it was just fun. I thought that was a key moment in the game because I thought we completely flipped it around after that. And then the other one I thought was really big. for. We'll stay on the Russell Wilson one. Russell threw the ball short. Yep. I, I, I'm looking right now. I think there's 21. I'm going to redo it here during a break. Um, there's about 21, 22 of his 37 passes were five yards or less. And there were times where I know he wanted to keep looking downfield, but I said, no, the guy's open now at five. Hit him. It's okay to come up third down and four. We can't come up third down and 10 or 12. We know those statistics. That is what, to me, was so – it goes back to the very first game of the year when Shane Waldron – I mean, against Indianapolis. And look at his completion percentage. Matter of fact, his adjusted completion percentage this game was 86%. And adjusted means that the drop passes. And, you know, he would add another touchdown, obviously, or two. In uh, poor, you know, uh, Gerald Everett. Yeah, that was that was. Thank God they won. He he may not have shown up for practice the next day. Um, so there were so many fun things in that, and I, a special, special, special shout out, special teams.
1: Special, let's go, man. They were good. Yeah. And
0: to me, that's really why we won the game. Yeah. Uh, that that was phenomenal.
1: Special. You you um you retweeted someone breaking down that special teams play. And that that is a perfect example of everyone being on the same page without even have to really talk about it. Like, look, we're coached up. We know if we see two gunners on 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 our guys on the outside double team, this is what we're gonna do. I think another thing that stuck out to me last week: these guys were only five for fifteen on third downs, but three of those third downs were converted by guys you brought here to make plays. Third and two, Adrian Peterson picks up a first down. Gracious spot, Lumenfield type spot, but we'll take the first down. Third and 14, you're backed up. DK makes a play. Boom. Third and sixth, then you go to title lock and he scores a touchdown. Boom. So, yeah, five for 13 on third downs. But those three third downs all led to scores. And that's a perfect example of, look, if you want to be successful on offense, you have to convert on third downs. And we saw that. Were they great on third downs? No. Still got a lot of work to do. But I'm mentioning names that, one, you bring AP here to convert on third downs and maybe score a touchdown in the, in the red zone, which he did. You got DK here, one of the most explosive receivers in the league. He gets a big third down. And then Tyler Lockett, all he does is, is converts big plays. So, yeah, the numbers aren't great, but I still love the fact that um, three out of those five third-down pickups were huge and led to scores.
0: Well, and one of them we converted on a fourth down. And, you, you know, it's hard to convert on third down when you get towards the goal line, You know, especially when it's a third-and-two type of play because – there's just not that much real estate to spread them out on. Um, and then I think there were some drops. You know, I mean, you know, we had some opportunities to convert on third down. So it wasn't as bad. And here's the other thing. Let's not get the third down. And that was something that was better this game. We moved the chains. We had some drives along the way. We, 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 and we ate up some clock. Uh, I, I, that's what we expect from the Seahawks. And there's no reason to think we can't. Continue to do it. We, we I, I believe we have the personnel. And I, it, it, to me, it's always been on the players. And last week, they executed.
1: What about this defense? We saw Bobby Wagner take his run steps, drop into a zone, pick off a crossing route. We also saw saw Bobby and Jordan Brooks influence that second interception yeah. um, from Diggs. Diggs at the right place because he's where he's supposed to be. Held the 49ers to 3 10, ten, three for 10 on third downs. And they only rushed the ball for seventy-one yards. Prior to this, in three games, they rushed the ball for over five hundred yards. What'd you see out of this defense, man?
0: Well, p- partly it was just a commitment, and we we play them twice a year, so it's, their, their run game's not a surprise to us, at least from a schematic standpoint. It's just do we match up well with them, and it, it is tough. I mean, I, I was mentioning it earlier today on on Wyman Show uh, around three o'clock that. You know, in today's game, because I, I I'm on the linebackers a lot, you know, because they're so critical in, in today's game. You know, there's so much passing going on. You've got to be a great pass defender as well. But I have to give them grace at times because when you look at the type of play actions that they run, and then you throw in RPOs, yeah. holy Toledo! It's it is hard.
1: Hey, correct me if I'm wrong. Back in the day, no, read can't. the guard. Guard pulls. It's probably going to be a run, right? I, now they got on, guards pulling and RPOs. It, to your point, oh, okay. it's tough, man.
0: Yeah, and we used to read uncovered linemen. So the center in a four-three defense is usually uncovered. Well, once they he would block back. I mean, we were adamant. I would tell my free safety, when he blocks back, you're downhill. Yeah, I, it, it's run. I, in the twelve years I played and coached, I probably saw twice where it wasn't a run. <laughs> you play those statistics today. It is. It, you've got to be more patient. It's why you don't see. Sometimes you got to guess in the running game and, and still shoot the gap. And I, I think we we read and react a little bit more in, in our linebackers, and that's okay. That's more of our philosophy. Um, but it is. It's very hard. And it's not just that. It's also the routes behind it. And it's also how accurate the quarterbacks are. Oh, yeah. and by the way, we have wide receivers that look like tight ends when I was playing. <laughs> you know, So, it's yeah, it's, it's tougher.
1: The game didn't change. So what you're saying is give these linebackers a little bit of love. They got to run. They got to read the run, then drop back into a zone. And every now and then it winds up being perfect, just like what we saw out of Bobby Wagner last week. But a lot of the times, man, I can imagine being in the, being in the box and seeing all the chaos that's going on with that offensive line, with the play fake, the back leaking out. You know, if you have a magician in the backfield at quarterback, like Peyton Manning was back in the day, how difficult that is to kind of really decipher Mm. what's going on. So that pick that you guys saw from Bobby Wagner, give it just a little bit more love than you did. I'm sure you gave it love, but give it a little more love. All right. When we return, we'll take a deeper look in at the Texans. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks live every
0: Thursday from 7 to 9 live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle
1: Hawks live every Thursday 7 to 9 p.m. on Michael Bump is with my guy Paul Moyer now it's time to dive in into the Houston Texans the Houston Texans interesting team we got here Moyer I look at them on paper they are the 32nd ranked offense we are the 31st ranked offense they give up um they're scoring 13 points per game. That is last in the NFL. Rush defense, they're allowing 144 points per, uh, yards per game. That's last in the NFL. I look at them on paper, I look at them on film, and I say this is a team that you probably should beat. Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor, they have both played their share of snaps this year. Davis Mills is completing 65% of his passes, 1,400 yards, has seven touchdowns, eight interceptions. Tyrod Taylor played last year before, excuse me, last week before he was hurt. He is completing 60% of his passes, 966 yards, five touchdowns, five interceptions. I look at the quarterback position, and I see uncertainty. I saw Tyrod Taylor, who's had some years, and this guy might be the most unluckiest quarterback in NFL, right? He lost... His job in Buffalo to Peterman. We don't know why. He lost a job in Cleveland to Baker Mayfield after he was hurt. We understand that. Baker was going to be the number one guy. And then a doctor punctured his lung while he was with the Chargers, and Justin Herbert got the start. Eventually that was going to happen, but this dude has had a lot of opportunities and just some bad luck. You look the way, Look at the way he played last week. Wasn't the greatest. Davis Mills comes in, does all right. But um, this team is highlighted by Brandon Cooks. He's their leading receiver, 742 yards. Um, Mark Ingram was their leading rusher until he was sent over to the Saints. Now they're going to rely on guys like David Johnson, who once upon a time for the Arizona Cardinals was a really good running back, and Rex Burkhead. There's just so much uncertainty on this team that I am more confident than I usually am when it comes to the Hawks playing ball games. But this is the NFL. You know how this goes. You still got to show up and play good ball.
0: Their defense is okay. I mean, that's probably one positive for them. Offensively, they scored 37 points in the opener against Jacksonville. Let me throw that. Let me throw that. This kind of reminds me of 1992 when I was coaching and we had the most inept offense in the history of the NFL. Because since then, they they scored 21. Then they went 9-0, 22-3, 5-22, 9-22, 14-0. So they've had one game, their opener. They scored thirty. They have not scored over twenty-two points since, and they got a couple. Well, they got one, two, three, four, five. They got six single digits along the way. They're really struggling offensively. Uh, you know, I it it you you mentioned some names there. I mean, Brandon Cooks is still legit. I mean, David Johnson used to be one of the really good running backs, but time has is, is caught up to him. I I agree with you on Taylor. I he's probably one of the best quarterbacks. That just has, for whatever reason, doesn't get the next shot again. It is really weird because he's got a phenomenal arm. I hope he doesn't play because if he doesn't play, I like our chances a lot better. But this is one of those games that you don't overlook anybody. Man, I mean, it, if we had a loss last week, I would have said, okay, you know, anything can happen. But we won. I'm, 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 I'm putting big money. We're going to win two in a row.
1: When, if the Hawks were to fall to the Houston Texans. I think that that would be a sad we haven't felt before. Now, we've been disappointed this year because they're not living up to expectations, right? We felt like this team was going to be a playoff team, a contender. We're not seeing that. But there are only a couple games a year where you're like, okay, they should probably get this done. You mentioned defensively where they're good at, 14 interceptions, the Hawks only have seven. So if you're irresponsible throwing the football, they will take it away from you. Um Again, I just look at the, the uncertainty on this football team, on defense, you look at Grugier Hill. He leads the team with 88 tackles, three sacks, 10 tackles for loss, two passes defended, one interception. But other than that, there's, there's no one on this defense to where I say, okay, you got to look after that guy, right? you gotta, you got to find ways to confuse that young man over there. I don't see that right now.
0: No. Uh, their starting center is a very familiar person that we all know. And he was a really good center for us for a long time, and but that just shows where they are. They got Justin Britt uh, as their center, and if he's healthy, you know I, I I don't know how well he played. I watched part of their game the other night. Um, it was it, talk about no one caring in Houston. It, it looked I don't even know. It looked like a, a Mariner game when you know when they'd won sixty games one year. I mean, there was nobody in the stands. So they're they're in a they're in a world that hurt there, and you know I don't care I I don't feel sorry for them. We got our own issues, you know. We're four and eight. I want to get to five and eight. I want to make this thing interesting at the end of the year. I want I want to play for something the last game against Arizona and make it a meaningful game. And nine and eight, yeah, you know it, it doesn't look good. It look you know Minnesota is destroying Pittsburgh right now. We we need them to lose and some other teams. But let's let's win this one, and let's every week let's just see if all of a sudden we go from five percent playoff odds like the Mariners, we we followed that thing forever. They were down to one and jumped up to like thirty percent. Let's keep climbing that the odds that we got a shot to make the playoffs.
1: Is this the game where it all comes together? I mean, because the Hawks beat the Niners last week, which is a good win. They're riding a three game win streak. That defense has been playing well. That offense rushed for five hundred yards in the last three weeks. Held them to seventy one. It's almost like we expect to win that game. Russell Wilson now is, what, 16-4 and four against the 49ers over I the years. Him. I mean, he just dominates them. You talk about um, um, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, how he dominates the Chicago Bears. I own them. I think that if Russell had some um, some you-know-what in him, he'd probably drop a I own him" line as well. That's not how Russell works. but I will. You'll do it for uh, him?
0: Look, there's no team I dislike more in this league than the 49ers. None. And that goes back certainly to the Harbaugh days when that that whole thing kicked in our first Super Bowl in 2013. I don't like them. Now I like John Lynch and their co. I mean, I, they're not, but that rivalry's real, and so yeah, we we own them, and I let them know, and I let their fans know too because they're <laughs> obnoxious fans also. I have no problem with that. But we, I thought we played. The best team or one of the best teams in the NFL last Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were hot. They, they, were, they had um, uh, an identity that they're going to run the football. And we decided, no, you're not going to run the football. And, Jimmy, you've got to beat us. You know that's not the case. And a poor Gerald Everett. <clears throat> Again, I felt so bad for him. Yeah, You know, if he doesn't have one of those just fluky th- three, four, I didn't even know it was three. I thought it was two. I didn't remember the uh, little bubble screen where he came back and they, and they stripped it there. Um, you know, we, we walk, you know, pretty handily on that game and, and make it feel like, all right, guys, you know, we're, we're back. And I still feel like we're back. We played so well from the middle of the second quarter on. We had one first down in the first ha- first quarter. I think we finished with 27 after that. So, uh, you know, complete. Change and that's again that's what we were looking at this year. You know what the offense would look like in that type of passing game where it's it's quick. It's quick. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I'm not going to put ourselves in tough situation No, nope. I want to take a shot downfield. Yeah, that that's us.
1: Now the Colts rushed for 258 yards last week against this ball club. We got Adrian Peterson who tied the great Jim Brown as far as rushing touchdowns for the career. Um, Alex Collins, we assume, is going to be healthy. We saw Russ be efficient, throwing the ball 30 for 37, 200-plus yards, two touchdowns. Good football teams take what the defense is giving them. I look at this defense and I say, okay, now their numbers are probably bottom of the barrel when it comes to a lot of things, but what they do well is interceptions. They intercept the football. Jonathan Taylor ran all over them last week. We don't have a Jonathan Taylor, but should we emphasize the run this week?
0: No question. Look, Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny sighting. <laughs> he looked good. He looked good. He you know, was quick. Well, first of all, it started to me with that pickup on the blitz where, I mean, that was huge. And we made a big play, obviously, off of that. And then, you know, the little tiny screen. And that's where, you know, when you look at him in college, you know, if you can get him out in open space, you know, he had that kind of speed and size where, you know, you get really hard to arm tackle. Uh, and then, you know, he popped, a, you know, a run as well. So it was just nice to see him. Get some production and hopefully confidence. And
1: uh, yeah. All right, Bump. So, real quick before we get out of here, uh, John McLean, who's a writer for the Houston Chronicle, um, he has some words to say about the Texans. And uh, let me just play the audio so you can hear it yourself. Well,
2: if you, have, as bad as people may think it is with the Seahawks this season, it's uh, even worse with the Texans, who I believe are the worst team in the league. And they'll prove that again. One more, one more. Because they are
1: awful. That man's been around the block forever. He's covered (laughs) the Texans and Houston area sports for the Chronicle for about 40 years. He was on earlier on the huddle with uh, Jake and Stacy, And that's how they feel in Texas right now, that the Texans are awful. Obviously, they're an NFL team, so the Seahawks aren't taking them lightly, Bump. But the numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Film don't lie neither, Moyer. I looked no, at that they film. They're not very good. But I'm so scared to even put that out into the universe because I know how this game is. It's a dirty game. Any given Sunday is a legit phrase to where these guys beat a team that the Hawks lost to. They beat the Tennessee Titans 22-13. to
0: Yeah, but I'm looking at the last game, you know, and, and partly – I. I think partly why he you know, it is weird though when you have a southern draw. It's just you don't they don't really seem that mad. You know? <laughs> like we're mad at him, but we're not that mad. Um Yeah, no, they're not very good. Uh we're not gonna rush for two hundred and some yard. I mean Andy's offensive line is really good and yeah. great running back. But I think you know you get Damian Lewis, you know probably back. I mean, last week we had Kieran. You had Forsyth. Both they're both in there. I mean, that was some youth in there. And by the way, I, I one of our colleagues uh, that doesn't live in a state anymore kind of dogged Jake as Kieran, right? Um, Curhan. Kerhan, thank you. And he, he had a couple uh, tough. There, I think there was two pass rushes that you know he, he he didn't do a great job on. But I'll tell you what, in the run game. He locks on. He moves people. He when he gets in front of people. I, I thought he wasn't all that bad. Again, I don't want to you know make him a Pro Bowler, but I thought they did a pretty good job for being thrown in there. And really, go watch them. Other than like one or two plays, but they did did a nice job for
1: us. Youngsters did okay. The Hawks are going to see how they can do without Jamal Adams. We'll talk about that injury when we get back. How do the Seahawks replace him? We'll also let you know that. Look. That trade for Adams was not as bad as you think. Hindsight is always 20-20. We'll break it down next here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome to Hawks Live. Thanks for joining myself, Michael Bombers and Paul Moyer. We're going to focus on Jamal Adams for this segment. Jamal, believe it or not, folks, has had a good year. All right? He's got 87 tackles. He's got two interceptions. The Hawks have been using him differently than they used last year. Last year he had nine and a half sacks or blitzing him like crazy. He looks like a different type of ball player. He got hurt this week. He's out for the season. He tore his labrum, I believe, on the same side he had surgery on last week. Um, lots of questions when it comes to Jamal Adams. Here's what Pete Kerr had to say. All of the fire that he brings and and the explosive plays and big hits. He's had a couple picks. You know, he's been uh he's been doing everything except we haven't
0: got him, you know, hit the sacks that we had a year ago. But other than that he's you know, he's been playing really hard and tough and
1: and uh he's got a lot of energy for us and been very positive. Pete was also asked about the trade because everyone's worried about the number, the first round picks that the Seahawks gave up and the contract exception. Here's Coach Carroll talking about how the trade played out.
0: You know, all the hypes about sacks, well, when's the last time somebody hyped up a safety sack numbers and made a big deal about it? Well, it's because he had such a phenomenal year last year. You know, we weren't able to, to, to capitalize this year as much as we'd like. We, we came out trying, but he's meant a tremendous amount. He's, a, he's physical, he's tough, he's got great energy, practices like crazy. Uh, it's really important to him um, in that you know, the, the, the leadership that comes from a guy who plays that hard and throws his body around like he does, is it's, it's hard to measure that.
1: So that's Pete Carroll showing some love to Jamal Adams, and people can get fooled by these numbers. Last year was a great season, no denying that. One of the best seasons when it comes to a DB as far as getting after the quarterback. Almost impossible to duplicate that. And I didn't think he was going to duplicate it. I wanted to see him be more active in the past game, and I think we got that. But because he's not – because people are going to look at the numbers that he had last year and look at his numbers this year, they're going to tear him apart. And, yeah – Everyone can be better at, at certain things, right? But Jamal was having a good year. The th- third leading tackler, five passes defended, two interceptions. I mean, he was active, just differently than what we're used to seeing. Yeah, let, trying, to, it, sat, trying to you, know, you don't, don't have to agree with me. You don't no, no, no,
0: no, no. I, I was just thinking about this week, listening to things, and you know, remember why we got him. You know, one is you know we're on the cusp of a Super Bowl. We don't really have any youth uh, or, or a safety at the time. So he's a 25-year-old guy who's never been hurt. And more importantly, I, th- I think they thought we were losing the physicalness of us on defense. And you, Pete's all about being nasty, right? Nasty in the running game, nasty on defense. You know, you had the Cam, cham, or cam Chancellor, and we saw that. And now you're a team that's always drafting in the second round. You give up two first-round picks. It meant we went through COVID, so they didn't even know the players. They didn't know who was coming out, who was going to stay for next year. Some guys decided not to play. I mean, there's so much going on at that time. So it's time everybody was happy with the trade. Now the guy gets nine and a half sacks. We win the NFC West last year. Yeah. And we're not happy about that. Now we come into this year. <clears throat> Let's say we were top-ten defense right now. So let me let me play this one out a little bit. I'm going to say we're top ten defense. Jamal Adams is third on our team in, in tackles. He's going to have well over a hundred. He's only behind Jordan Brooks and and, and Bobby Wagner. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's um he, uh, I'm going to go here a little bit more. He's got uh, four tackles for loss. He has uh, two quarterback hits. He's got two interceptions. So he's second on the team in interceptions. He's got five passes defense. So I think he's tied for third or fourth on the team. My point is, he has played well this year. I think people are looking at our thirty-first ranking, and we're four and eight, and they're going, "Well, what did we get for two first-round draft picks?" You know, it, I think that's part of it, and, and maybe more than anything along the way. And I forgot my second point, so I will have to forget it. That's all right. But my point on really more than anything, is oh, I know what it was. I was I was driving uh, to work this week, and I heard on a, one of the stations accidentally. And the guy was saying that we were better off without Jamal Adams when we would have Ryan Neal. And we all like Ryan Neal. The guy's a playmaker. He's a great you know, player for us. But there's a reason for Jamal Adams, and it's his nastiness along the way. But his point was, well, look how many yards George Kittle got last week, and he blamed it on Jamal Adams. Jamal didn't cover him on any of those. You know the long one run down the the sideline. It was actually, I believe, a bootleg, and I I think Ryan Neal was actually on the backside and Bobby Wagner, and we had an angle on him, and he still got there. Uh, there was another play that was a play action uh, play that uh, I think Ryan w- looked in the backfield. And so, am jumping on Ryan here. My point is, Jamal had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And so there's just you know people just pointing at whatever they're unhappy about life. But I here's where I'm going to close this one. My uh, 1986, I hate throwing these years out but because I, I, it makes me look so darn old. <laughs> Kenny Easley gets hurt. He misses six games that year. I start all six games. We go undefeated. Now all of a sudden people say, oh, yeah, we don't need Kenny Easley. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm one of 11 guys. We just happened to win. The defense played better. Guys all of a sudden picked up their, their game. Offensively, we started playing better. We went on a roll. We just We just won. Kenny Easley is a Hall of Famer. He was the probably one of the top two safeties still at that time, and he he had been been injured. Him and Ronnie Lott. So it just doesn't make sense. It's always easier. Who's the most Who's the most favorite guy on a team usually when a team's losing? It's, it's a the backup quarterback, backup QB. Yep. And so it's the same thing here. You know, I, I like Jamal Adams, and more than anything, it's just he brings a, an attitude, a confidence, a nastiness. And I, you know, for those who don't watch the film, I get it because you're looking at statistics. Those who do watch the film, he's played very well this year.
1: Here's the thing. The 12s, if Adrian Peterson were to come out and rush for 105 yards and a touchdown, the 12s would be saying right now, or not 12s. I'm not going to just signal out the 12s. People will be saying right now, you don't need Chris Carson. The NFL is such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type league when it comes to the organizations, but especially when it comes to the fans. Right, so there's a reason why, and we love Ryan. Though. We've had him on this show. He's been awesome. Like he him. he gets in the game. He makes big plays. Yep. But there's a reason why out of college, Ryan was not drafted, and Jamal Adams was drafted just because of what they what their resume looks like. So I think at times people need to look at the resume and remember there was one time where I had buddies hitting me up. Are we better with Geno than Russell Wilson? I'm like, are you crazy right now? better Gino had what five touchdowns one interception 700 yards played well played well but no disrespect to Gino. like Russell's resume just has a lot more bullet points than Gino Smith so I just advise people to look, look be in the moment enjoy the moment root for Ryan Neal and yeah. he's going to make plays because we've seen Ryan Neal make plays but do not disregard what Jamal Adams brings to this football team. He might not be the safety that you want to see out there as far as his attributes and what he's good at, but he's still a dang good safety.
0: Yeah, I think that point you made right there is, because I don't want to take away people. Look, if you want to think he's not, that's fine. You know, but bring, bring some facts with it and actually tell me what, he, what it is you don't like. There's very few perfect players, and people are looking at what his strengths aren't not mm-hmm. what they are. And that's what Pete does. Pete looks at what he brings to the table and the amount of plays he makes in the running game. And I've, I've said this before, I go, he changes. He's, one of the only, he's actually the only safety I know that when he walks up towards the line of scrimmage or is anywhere within five yards, they are pointing at him, yep. and they change protection because of him. Yep. That's
1: crazy. Mm-hmm. And
0: so it changes the game too. So there's a lot going on there.
1: Lots going on there. Lots going on in the NFL, and we will talk to the professor, John Clayton, when we get back about all that. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. You know what time it is, 7.45, Hawks Live on Thursday. Here to the funk, we're bringing in the professor. JC, how you doing, man? Good, how are you? We are doing okay, man. Like I usually do, I got to ask you about this Thursday night game. You got the two teams that lost and tied to the Detroit Lions, going at it. Minnesota up twenty nine to seven. That doesn't help the Hawks, does it?
2: No, it doesn't, because again, I could put the Vikings back up at five hundred, and that doesn't help. Because I mean, the Vikings are starting to slip. They look pretty bad. They've lost so many close games, and now they got this. Looks like a pretty easy win tonight. Even though the Steelers are trying to come back, but uh, it looks to me like a uh, you know that that does not help. Any chances of the sea, the Se- the Seahawks making the playoffs? If again you have the Vikings up at five hundred,
0: let's just get to five and eight, and then we'll 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 see if what our odds keep increasing. When, and so, for us to get to five and eight, do the Texans do anything good?
2: No, uh, I mean I think that they they probably serve good food.
0: <laughs> they uh, do.
2: <laughs> they they probably serve good food. I think that. Uh, You know, but on the football field, no. I mean, they they are a little bit okay on defense, even though they've chased away a lot of Bill O'Brien big signing players. But uh, offensively, they're not good. Their their offensive line is not good. Uh, They're going to go with a rookie in Miles Davis because again, uh, Tyrod Taylor is now hurt. So it's like uh, I don't. And the running back situation is not good. Receiver is not good. They're just not good.
1: John Quandre Diggs has put together a nice little career, man. He's been in, um Pro Bowl selection. It's about time that he is considered as far as All Pro selection.
2: Well, I mean, he he was uh, Pro Bowl last year. Uh, you, you can see right now in the All Pro voting so far by the fans, you know, he's in the top six, so he's in the mix there. Uh, you know, to maybe to be an All All Pro, probably not. But he's got to be somewhere. I mean, he's he's a Pro Bowl level type of guy and should make the Pro Bowl this year.
0: Jordan Brooks has just been playing really consistent. He's taken his game to another level really the last four or five weeks. And, you know, he's fourth in the league in tackles. Is he getting any recognition nationally? Probably
2: not, which is kind of unfortunate because, again, sometimes a 4-3 outside linebacker doesn't get the respect he should get because – You know, the three, four guys are the ones that get the sacks. But, again, you can look at the tackles. You can look at the things that he's been able to do. And for a team that right now continues to get criticized for not doing well with first-round picks, he's been a very good first-round pick.
1: John, this offense has struggled throughout the year. Every now and then they'll show glimpses of what they could be. After Lags Weiss' performance, if these guys can get healthy, I'm talking about the Seahawks, can we see a better version of the Shane Waldron offense?
2: Well, I think so. You saw it last week. Certainly you're going to see it this week against Houston because Houston is so ter- terrible. We'll see how they do it in a two division games against the Rams and Cardinals. But, again, they've got the, the three games that it should be pretty easy that their offense should be able to do well. But the big thing is I mean, you have uh, Russell Wilson last week looking like Russell Wilson. Completed thirty thirty of thirty seven passes, you know, two hundred and thirty-one yards. I mean, he he got into a rhythm. He did a good job.
0: You know, when you look at the the Seahawks, you know, the first quarter was was it was rough to watch. And then middle of the second quarter it, it completely flipped and, and did it really with some youth. I mean, you started with some D. Eskridge, and then you got Stone Forsyth came in and then Jake Kerhan as well. And I actually I thought Jake played pretty well. He had two, two or three plays where they, he got beat on a, a speed rush, you know, at, in the guard position. But he practices at tackle the whole time. But as far as the running game, and when he did have someone in front of him, he he did really well. But with that being said, do we do we expect Damian Lewis back this week? Looks
2: like it. You know, Carroll says that he should be able to go. I mean, he's been able to do some practicing this week on a limited basis, and. So, I mean, because he's, you know, he's missed some time with that shoulder injury, but everything that Pete says, it looks like he should be able to go this
1: week. John, my fellow cool Gardner Minshew, had a day last weekend, 20-25, to 242, two touchdowns. Do you think this guy will have another opportunity in the NFL to be a starting quarterback?
2: Uh, you'd hope so. I mean, again, right now he's proving he's a very good backup. I mean, he did that in Jacksonville. He's done that certainly in Philadelphia um, you know I don't know if he can get the chance to advance, but again, I mean this guy's a good quarterback, and uh, you can see he's a good leader he's a fun guy to watch he's able to do so many good things, so you'd hope he get a chance
0: yeah you know, uh, we were talking a little bit about Russell Wilson you know his first game of the year against Indianapolis the, everybody was so excited because you know he was getting rid of the ball so quick and he was taking the short stuff even maybe if there were some opportunities, you know, intermediate to long. And it felt like that last week also. Did you think, you know, and again, it wasn't the yards. I mean, he had 30 30 for 37, only around 230 yards. But, you know, 86% adjusting completion percentage. Do you think that's his best game of the year?
2: I think so, yeah. Yeah, because, again, I think that you can see the big thing is, you know, for a team that was only scoring like about, what, 28 points or something like that over four weeks, he was able to get 30. But then when you think about the 30 points that he had, now I know seven came on a special teams play, but then you know he had three plays in the red zone where uh, you know uh, George Everett you know just blew it. I mean George Everett had you know two fumbles. He had that tip pass that was intercepted. I mean so really in a lot of ways he scored you know 23 points out of the 30, but he probably could have had 40.
1: John, we saw Adrian Peterson contribute to this football team this week. We assume Alex Collins will be ready to go. What does his role look like this week against the Texans, and should we expect him to be used in the red zone?
2: Uh, I would have to think so. I can. What I looked at with uh, Adrian Peterson is very similar to uh, a couple of years ago when they brought in Robert Turbin and they brought in, uh, you know, Mercedes. You know, they, they were able to get the Marshawn Lynch. And Marshawn came in and did a good job in the red zone. And I think that uh, you can see that Adrian's a big back. I mean, if you put him the way he is right now at the age of 36, he's going to struggle to get more than two, three yards of carry. But, again, if you put him in such situations, he can do some good things. But he had 11 carries for 16 yards, at the, which, of course, he had a couple nice runs out of those in the 11 carries. But I think that you know, he can help. And to think they was able to do that, stay healthy, and then be able to do it with only two or three days' practice, that's pretty good.
0: John, I may not have another chance at this, so this is my favorite time, my best part of the show. What's on your mind, Professor?
2: Well, what's on my mind is uh, maybe the most positive things we've seen in the last month or so. Have you watched the number of taunting penalties that have happened in the last like two or three weeks? Because again, it was at a ridiculous level, as as many as eight per game, eight per week. But in the last couple of weeks, now I know there's one tonight, but there's only been about five. And so maybe they're lightening up on the taunting penalties, which is long overdue. And of course, I mean the league and uh, you know Walter Anderson, the head of supervisor of officials, said that they weren't going to let up on it. But for whatever reason, whether it's the teams not getting the, ta- the taunting penalties whether it's the officials not calling it taunting penalties, I think that's a very encouraging thing because, again, the taunting rule is one of the worst I've seen added in the last, like, three or four years.
1: John, that's the worst rule I've heard since the touchback on the kickoff, man. Let him return the thing, man. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I appreciate it, John. You have a good night, man. All right. Sounds good, guys. All right. When we return, it's time to talk that talk. We'll pick a couple topics and go at it. Will Rashad Penny rush for 100 yards Will Russell Wilson throw for 300 versus to Houston, Texas? And who's the unsung hero of the Seahawks? All that is next right here on Hawks Live.